Welcome back to Worship with All Saints, a broadcast ministry dedicated to personal growth in God's Word. Please visit our website, aschurch.net, for more information, including our service schedule. Psalm 82 God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly, and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God. Judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke 12. I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I, if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straitened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five and one house divided, three against two, and two against three. And he said also to the people, When ye see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, There cometh a shower, and so it is. And when ye see the south wind blow, ye say, There will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? The Gospel of the Lord. It is a common teaching, very common, but nonetheless quite incorrect, which claims that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ should not be divisive, but rather that the teaching and doctrine of Christ is something that is meant to unify all men and all religions. I should imagine that those who attend to such a belief do so with the earnest desire that all men and women throughout the world, might live together in harmony and peace and unity and concord. A noble and quite compassionate scenario, but one that is not shared by Jesus. For he has said, Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. So how is it that there can be such a noticeable disagreement between that which our Lord has proclaimed and the widespread teaching of so many Christians. The answer has to do with one's perspective. So many people are more concerned about the condition, 
the circumstances and the transient relationship of men and women to one another in this world than they are about one another's relationship to God, and that His glory, His holiness, be manifested above all things throughout His creation. For you see, the teachings and doctrine of Christ do not give peace to the natural man. In fact, quite the opposite. For we are told to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. And what exactly does the word enmity mean? It's not a word we use in our everyday conversation anymore. Words that might be more familiar to us would be hostility, hatred, and antagonism. In other words, we are taught by Scripture that the carnal mind, that is, the unregenerate, natural-born man who has not died to self and been born anew in Christ, regardless of how dignified, how honorable, how respectable that person may be in the eyes of his fellow man, that person in their own mind holds hostility and antagonism and hatred towards God. These are harsh words indeed. But I am only repeating that which the Bible so clearly declares over and over again. There is another widely held notion, closely related to the other, and also just as incorrect, regarding Christ having brought to us a gospel of reconciliation. It is true that the gospel does bring reconciliation, but it does not mean that men are now reconciled one to another. It means that men can now be reconciled to God. Allow me to explain, for it is of utmost importance that you understand the difference. Having been born into this world devoid of spiritual understanding, every one of us, men and women alike, are enemies to God, unless we are reconciled to God through Christ. Every December during the Christmas season, the good tidings and message that is heard is that because Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem, there is now peace on earth, goodwill towards men. However, peace on earth does not mean that man is now capable of peace one to another. If we have eyes to see anything, we readily observe without a doubt that there is no abundance of peace in the world. No, the peace that came to earth over 2,000 years ago was Christ himself. Outside of Christ, there is no such thing as true peace, that which the Bible refers to as the peace that passes all understanding. This peace, Jesus' gift to us, that which he has left to us by adoption through his blood, is his Holy Spirit. God alone is peace. That is why the child that was born to us, the eternal son that was given, Christ, is called the Prince of Peace. And he cannot give us peace apart from himself. Peace as an entity that exists in and of itself is meaningless, fleeting, and imaginary. Anything that resembles peace apart from God is counterfeit and is most usually related to satisfactory circumstances not to a state of being. You see, true peace is not a thing, not a feeling, not an absence of discord, but rather a person. I came to send fire on the earth. Why fire? 
God's reconciliation towards man can only be accomplished through the crucible of the cross. The disciples to whom Jesus was speaking that day were not ignorant of the fact that for centuries fire had been a symbol of the divine presence and of judgment. They knew about the burning bush that was never consumed, which had attracted Moses and was his turning point from indifference to obedience, from apathy to commitment, from grief to action. They knew about the pillar of fire that had guided the children of Israel through the wilderness. They knew about the consuming fire on Mount Sinai and the fire that hovered above the tabernacle. They were familiar with Elijah's victory when the fire fell on Mount Carmel and of the resulting judgment on the false prophets of Baal. They had studied Isaiah's vision of the holiness of God during which the prophet experienced cleansing by a coal of fire from the altar. Yes, they understood, albeit dimly, what Jesus meant when he said, I came to send fire on the earth. For they had been taught that their God was like a refiner's fire. I wish, said Jesus, that my time of judgment were already here. But it's not. First, I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is accomplished. In saying this, Jesus was referring, of course, to the cross and all that it represents. He knew what was ahead, waiting for him. The humiliation, the thrashings and beatings and floggings, the impact of the nails piercing his skin, the acute thirst, the aching muscles, the lungs which would feel like they were going to explode because he could not exhale, and even worse, the spiritual pain, the anguish and the agony of being separated from his heavenly Father, the one time when he would call out to him, not as Father, but as my God, my God, because he, Jesus, would become the sin of the world, to suffer the wages of the sins of men and women, even those who to this day deny him as their Savior and who think they can find peace in a world devoid of God. He knew this was the baptism he had to undergo, but he would not be deterred from it. John the Baptist said he baptized with water, that there was one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit of fire, as the original Greek is translated. There is a purifying baptism in the Holy Spirit for believers, here and now, day by day, and there is a future consuming judgment for unbelievers. This is the division. This is what causes the separation between friends, relatives, and loved ones. Once you accept the Lord as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit begins His cleansing and purifying within your being. Things that once mattered to you that were important begin to lose their allurement. Things you used to do no longer entertain you. In fact, they begin to repulse you and seem removed of any real relevance or significance. Relationships you once had with people tend to dissipate as you are being cleansed and purged now while they continue on in their way, not realizing that their fire will come, but as judgment in the final days. Perhaps we can learn from history. The May 1984 issue of National Geographic 
featured colored photographs and drawings of the swift and terrible destruction that wiped out the Roman city of Pompeii in A.D. 79. It chronicles the first volcanic eruption ever to be described in detail. The explosion of Mount Vesuvius was so sudden that the residents were immediately killed while in their daily routines. Men and women were at the market. The rich were lounging in their luxurious baths. Slaves were busy with their duties. Even family pets suffered the same quick and final fate. Those photographs vividly depict the actual remains of people doing their daily tasks. Looking at the pictures is like viewing a frozen frame in a film. It takes little imagination to envision the panic of that terrible, horrific, and fateful day. The inhabitants of Pompeii died amid volcanic ash and superheated gases. A strange phenomenon occurred over Mount Vesuvius. A large dark cloud shaped rather like a pine tree emanated from the mouth of the mountain, reaching nearly 20 miles in height. After some time, the cloud rushed down the sides of the mountain and covered everything around it, including the surrounding sea and the over 5,000 inhabitants that lived in its path. The eruption of 79 A.D., which buried the town totally in ash, actually captured a moment in time. Under the ash, everything remained as it was at the time of the eruption. Now this is what is so significant in this event, and which I want you to take special note of in relation to today's gospel reading. These people did not have to die. Scientists confirm what ancient Roman writers have recorded. There were weeks of rumblings and shakings preceding the actual explosion. Even an ominous plume of smoke was clearly visible from the mountain days before the eruption. If only they had been able to read the signs and respond to Vesuvius's warnings. What about the society in which you and I live today? Are there not signs just as obvious as those given off by Mount Vesuvius? Not just physical signposts, but moral and spiritual rumblings. Jesus told those standing around and listening to him that day that they were blind to spiritual signs. Think about your life as we listen to Jesus' words one more time. You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not analyze this present time? Since you understand all the earthly signs so well, how come you missed what's going on right in front of you? You're pretending you don't see the moral and spiritual signs of your Messiah all around you. I came and did signs and miracles among you. The lame walk, the blind see, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, and the demons flee. And yet you want more proof of my person. I came and redeemed men and women from Satan's power and his kingdom of darkness and delivered them into the kingdom of light. And you missed it. I came that you might have my peace, not the false peace of the world. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. All Saints Church is a small, unique community serious about discipleship, prayer, and worship. 
Once again, more information can be found at aschurch.net. We hope you will continue to be a part of our listening family as we all pursue growing in Christ. May the Lord bless you this day.